final week of Rooted, and uh, thank you for all of you who have joined us. The, the tagline I put here, here is grow deep and grow up, and that is kind of what uh, this has all been about, is the idea that we take these practices that are very simple. I mean, we might call them disciplines. We might call them habits. We might call them systems of care, of spiritual care that we have, and they're very basic and simple. And yet what I've found in my life, being a Christian for a long time, and even when I was in business for 16 years prior to becoming a pastor, I would notice these things in people, that the mature people, the people who live life that seem to be able to have peace that surpasses all comprehension, that have the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, all those things, self-control, they practice these things. And uh, the idea of prayer, the idea of giving, the idea of being in community, all, all those things. And this morning, what we're going to talk about, and for those of you who are online, I'm super sorry. This is going to sound like I'm busting your chops, and maybe I am, but uh, I'm sorry for this one. This is, why do we go to church? Like, why attend church? We have all this technology, all this information. We have all these things at our disposal. Why go to church? And uh, I teach a class um, for our denomination called The History and Polity of the Free Methodist Church. It sounds really boring, but I just taught it yesterday with a bunch of young pastors. And as I say when I teach these classes, do not worry about the next generation. They're doing just fine. They love the Lord, and uh, they're very committed. And so we were talking about church history and then polity, like the structure of the church. And one of the things you notice in the history of the church is that the Bible actually wasn't there in the beginning. Do you understand that? When the church began, you had the Torah, okay? You had the, you had the Psalms, and you had the prophets, and that was the Old Testament. We call the Old Testament. But when the church was birthed, there was no New Testament. That came about 40 years later in the form of letters that were being passed around. And then 300 years later, they decided on our canon, what we call our canon, our 66 books. And then it took another 1,200 years to be able to print those into Bibles that we would say we have now. And then it took a few hundred more years to make sure that everybody had a way to learn how to, what was the word? Oh yeah, read. <laughs> so you have about 1,800 years with no Bible the way we have access to it now. Now, of course, I have it on my phone, and I have very many versions, and I can go and look up anything I want to look up, and I can tell you the Greek and the Hebrew, and I can make myself look really smart and use big words, okay? But pretty much anyone can do that now. And so what had happened was the gathering of Christians, like we're doing this morning, and, and for the, again, for those of you, this is the last time I'm going to say this. I am not trying to share. It won't be the last time. Every time I say the last time, there's always two more times I say it. I'm not trying to shame you. Some people are watching online for very good reasons. But at the end of this sermon, I'm going to challenge you to get back into church. Okay? I'm just letting you know right now. All right. And there we lost 
700 viewers. Okay. Uh, something happened to my internet connection. I don't know. Okay, let's go to the park, honey. Okay, I get it. I totally get it, right? And so the, all they had was the gathering. Okay, they had the apostles teaching. They had all those things. But what had happened was, once we began to learn how to read and we got Bibles, the church became about learning. It, came, it became about coming to church and listening to me, a trained, incredible speaker, tell you about the Bible in ways that you wouldn't have been able to understand on your own. Well, those days are over now. You can know everything I know about the Bible just by doing this. You can go online and find at least two other pastors who are better than me, maybe three. Right? And just find them and just listen to them all week long until your heart's content. And full denominations would be all about the word. you got to learn the word. It's all about the word. And if you preach for an hour, you're better than a, a, a church that only preaches 25 minutes because you're about the word, brother. Because you always have to say brother after the word. And we preach verse by verse and we're serious. And I love those denominations. I love verse by verse. I love listening to someone preach for an hour. I'm not, be, I'm not betraying any of that. What I'm telling you is that is not the historical church. That's something new. And then what happens is once it becomes about learning, then you run around trying to find the church that teaches you the best and hardest and most serious word, 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 word. I love the word. I memorize the word. I probably know more about the word than you do. But here's what Jesus said. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have life, but it's these that point to me. The reason we learn the word, the reason we open our Bibles is to not only know more about Jesus, but to know Jesus. And that's the gift we bring into the world, is us living our lives like Jesus would have us live. Us treating people the way Jesus would have us treat. Now, for those of you who love the word and maybe you're a teacher or whatever, I know what I'm saying sounds like I'm, 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 I'm berating those people or minimizing the word. I, listen, I spend my whole life comparing it to the word of God and letting it shape me and transform me. And I make hard decisions because the word of God tells me that I, I, I have to make hard decisions. And I do things the word tells me to do when I don't want to. And I I don't do things that I want to do that the Bible says don't do. So I'm all about the word. But that's not why we come to church. It's not just for a message. And that's not historically why they went to church. They went to church because the gates of hell will not stand against the gathering. Let me show you where I get that from. It's in Matthew chapter uh, 15. Let me see. Matthew chapter 16. <laughs> Sorry. Now I can. Oh, my gosh. You guys are beautiful. Uh, okay. It's in Matthew chapter 16, and Jesus is talking to Peter and the disciples, and he asks this question. And this is really almost like a salvation question. And some of you might be here because you're in a tough time in life, and that is a great reason to be in church. 
You might be saying, you know what? I went through the pandemic. I feel isolated. I, you know, my parents took me to church when I was little, but then it kind of got boring or the, it was weird. It was filled with weird people. Spoiler alert. It is. And, and you're like, ah, and then you finally come back and you're like, you're in crisis. And this is a great day to be here today. And we're glad you're here. Maybe you're dating someone and they go to church and you're like, oh yeah, I go to church too. And just because they're hot or whatever, that's a fine reason to be in church. I, 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 that's how I met my wife, okay? This full disclosure. I get it. You know, sometimes hormones are better than, you know, whatever. Anyway, so uh, I, I get that. Maybe you go to church because you were taught when you were little, you go to church and that's what you do. And you don't do anything else on Sunday. That's the Sabbath. Maybe you grew up in a state where everything was closed on Sunday anyway. Oh, that ain't California, right? They wait for Sunday to do stuff, okay? And so, so maybe, maybe that's why you're in church. That's an okay reason to be in church. But I want to propose to you this. That the reason we go to church is it is because the Lord requires that we gather. It is an act of of worship. It's not a time of te teaching is a part of that. Singing is a part of that. But there is something about the gathering. There's something about the gathering. And when COVID hit and it was fun and we were at home and I would preach, listen to me, trust me, I would preach on Saturday night up here to an empty group and then I would watch football all Sunday. And I'd have, I'd have my iPad with my own sermon going next to me, right, to make sure that, that the live stream worked. But I'd be watching football, ladies and gentlemen. I loved COVID. I loved it. I didn't have to deal with anybody. I walk in here, Mark would be running sound. We have people doing worship. I'd be like, this is sweet. I come in, preach, and leave. I felt like I was like leading a mega church. I just walk in, just walk in through the back, like the green room, and I'm preaching, camera there, and I'm like, hey, this is great. And then I'm at home in my robe, got a fire going, and I'm just like, yes, this is awesome. So I understand. If I could be let off the hook, I wouldn't go to church. I'd watch football. But the Bible doesn't let me off the hook. Christianity salvation. You are saved into community. You're not just saved from hell, which is important, <laughs> okay? It's important. Your salvation and your personal commitment to Jesus is very important. But you aren't just saved into heaven. You're saved into community. Let me show you where I get that one. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? In other words, Jesus says, what are, what are they saying about me on Twitter, right? That's about, if I make it to, for today, that's what he was saying. What do they say on Twitter? And so they replied. Oh, there was a meme about you and John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others say Jeremiah and one of the prophets. All good stuff, right? It's, it's good to be all, all of those things. But then Jesus asked this question. And this is really the salvation question. And this is the question I'd ask you or you'd ask somebody because you don't ask them what do you think about church. You don't ask them what they think about the Bible. You ask them this. But what about you? Who do you say Jesus is? Because that's the crux of everything. He's our Messiah. He's our Savior. He's our King. He's my rabbi. Everything Jesus models, I do or try to do. 
the best I can, right? And that's who he is. So who do you say that I am? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, because this is the only way you're going to get come to this conclusion, even if you've been walking with him for three years, blurts out this, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is just like, ding, 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 ding. Here's what he says. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but about my Father in heaven. And therefore, go and learn as much of the Bible as you possibly can before you die. No, that's not what he said. Here's what he said. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this declaration of Jesus being the Messiah, on this realization that Jesus has come to save us, this is not an individual thing. He says, I will build my church. I'll build my church. You say, okay. So that's in the Bible where you get the word church. No, 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 no. Church... The Greek word for church is ekklesia, okay? It just means gathering. It doesn't mean building. It doesn't mean whatever, pre preacher. It doesn't mean worship band or organ or drums or do we not have drums or how do we, do we clap? Do we not clap? That is not church. Church, by its definition, is the gathering. It's the gathering. If you are not gathering, then that is a foreign Christianity to the Bible. The Bible demands you gather. It starts all the way back when we say, the people of God, you will be my people and I will be your God. We are to be in community. And you say, John, community makes me nervous. It's supposed to make you nervous. You're supposed to be around people you don't agree with. You're supposed to be around people different than you. That's what you were saved into. Not just head knowledge and salvation to go to heaven, and then you spend your whole life learning the Bible and feeling guilty, but not being involved in people's everyday lives. And it starts with the gathering. And I know, I know, because trust me, when I preached on giving that was a kind of a hard message. Remember what I said when I talked about giving? I'm not asking you to give. I'm telling you to give. Remember I said that? That was a hard thing to say. And I apologize that I had to say that. <laughs> I don't really. Right? right. But it's just like anything. Your doctor says, you have to start, stop smoking. You don't go like, you're shaming me. You're like, no, he's a doctor. Well, I'm telling you as a pastor, you have to start giving. It's a big part of growing up. Okay. But when it comes to asking people to come to church, that is when I get a little kind of nervous. Because basically what I'm saying or what I feel like I'm saying is, hey, come listen to me talk. <laughs> right? That's kind of what I'm saying. Come listen to me preach. Like, it seems creepy and weird and it feels gross. Right? I'm just telling you honestly how I feel. But I can't get away from this. I can't soften it up. I can't go, you know, but if you really don't want to, it's okay. Oh, but I know, you don't like the worship band as much as this church, so you can just stay home. I know, sometimes I say some things that are a little inappropriate, so you can stay home. There is no room for that in the Bible. None. Okay, now, 
Here's what I want to say this morning. You're only one point. Salvation without community is foreign to the Bible. It is. You don't get saved by yourself and live your spiritual life by yourself. It is not a personal thing. That's completely foreign to the Bible. American evangelical Christianity is foreign to the Bible. <laughs> Crickets. Okay. But that's true. It's a communal thing. You're saved into community. And in that community comes all the messy, gross stuff and all the stuff that you'd have in anybody. Anybody. We are the body of Christ, the Bible says. We are the family of God, the body says. We are going into a series next week called Home for the Holidays. That's a question. And it's, uh, it's way more positive than this sermon is. It's much more happy, okay? And uh, it's all about surviving the holidays with your family. Like, how do we remain thankful when Uncle John is there, Uncle Steve is there? You know, how, like, how do we get through this? Oh, my gosh, my, my, my daughter's bringing her boyfriend and, and he, you know, whatever. He's a terrible person. All that stuff. How do we get through that? Because family's messy, right? Well, so is the church. And if you're trying to find a perfect church, if you're trying to find a church that makes you feel really, really comfortable, you haven't found a church because the church is a mess. You might have been wounded by the church. Get in line. I guarantee you, I promise you, I have been more wounded by the church than anyone in this room. Okay? I, but I would keep coming to church. If I wasn't a pastor, why? Because the word of God demands that I gather. It's the church. It's the gathering. It's the ecclesia. All right, let me show you some other verses real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Hebrews was written to, uh, we don't really know who the author was, um, but it's been brought into our Bible. So we know, we, we do believe Hebrews is the word of God. We're just not quite sure who wrote it, but we do know that it was written to Jews, okay? So I want you to see this language and maybe put on your yarmulke or whatever Jewish hat you have to kind of think like a Jew right now, okay? Therefore, brethren, so he's talking to Jews who've come to Christ. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place. Okay, so now what, what's happening with your Jewish mind is the holy of holies was just for the priests. Okay, you couldn't enter that. You had to be a priest to enter that. And, and what this writer is saying is, no, no, no. The, Jesus, when he died on the cross through the blood of Christ, the veil had been torn in two. And you have now full access to Jesus. Full access to your heavenly father. Right now, right now, you have access to your Heavenly Father. You do not need to go to a temple, and, right? And so you're thinking, oh, well, then I don't need to go to church. Keep listening. So you, you, you're, this is what he's saying. Through the blood of Christ, you, you, you're in. You have access, okay? Uh, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, he inaugurated through the veil. Remember I told you the veil was split in two. That is his flesh, Okay? And so Christ announces, and so we, we're all clapping over this verse. Yay, I have access to God. I have access to God. Yay. Anyone can come. Anyone can come to Jesus. Anyone. Doesn't matter your past, your color, socioeconomic. Nobody cares. You, we all have access. And we all praise God for that, don't we? And we say, and since we have such a great 
priest over the house of God. In other words, since we're saved, since we have access to him, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full confidence, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You are saved. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus. This is exciting. We love these verses. I love them. I love these verses. He goes on. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. If you are not encouraged by those verses, I can't help you. It's just that God created a way through Christ for us to be forgiven of our sins, washed in the blood, and now we have access to him whenever I want, on the, in my house, on, in, in my office, on the freeway, which I call upon him very many times on the freeway. I'm probably closest to Jesus on the freeway than any other place on earth. Yeah. So we just celebrate that. And then the, he writes another verse. And I don't like when writers of the Bible keep writing. I want them to write what I like, be done with that, send in a nice Hallmark card. I open it up and I go, thank you very much, writer of Hebrews. That was so encouraging. I put it up. Maybe I put it on my desk. But here's what he says. And, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. <gasps> that means I have to be around one another. I don't stimulate one another or encourage one another to love and good deeds if I don't know one another. And gathering is the minimum <laughs> requirement. The minimum is that we set aside a time per week where we know we're going to gather. That's the minimum. Okay? So... The writer knows this because he says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And you say, that's what texting is for, John. <laughs> that's what sharing memes is for. That's what sharing blog posts is for. I've read a very encouraging blog post. And so I'm going to consider how I might share that via email, text, DM. How should I stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And guess what? The writer of Hebrews knew you were going to think that and kept writing. That writer of Hebrews. Ready? This is in the Bible. So don't blame the messenger. Not forsaking our own assembling, our own gathering, our own ecclesia, not forsaking our own church, as is the habit of some. You say, John, now I feel guilty. Now I feel like you're shaming me. I am not. The Bible is. <laughs> I'm just here doing my job. I don't want to say this. I want to say, do whatever you want. I don't care. I'm going to sit home and watch football on Sunday and preach Saturday night to a camera, and then I'm done. Unfortunately, I can't. And unfortunately, you can't. You have to go to church. You have to go to the gathering. You have to be a part of the body 
of Christ. You are saved into community. To be independent, to be on your own, as annoying as the church is, and as wounding as it can be, and as vulnerable as you can be, I understand. And for those of you who have been wounded by the church, I am so sorry, but I can't guarantee it's not going to happen again. Because you belong to a church family. You belong to a church body. You belong to the ecclesia, to the gathering. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, let's do one more and then I'll let you guys go, okay? That was a tough one. We had Jesus tell you you need to go to church. <laughs> we had some unknown writer of Hebrews tell you you got to go to church. You're like, yeah, but Paul hasn't told me I have to go to church. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. These are all great verses. Again, unfortunately, he keeps writing. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Ooh, that sounds like church, right? Fire and brimstone. You know, you're a sinner. Sinner is in the hands of an angry God. That's right. That's right. I read my Bible in order to feel guilty so I know how to change my life. Okay, that sounds good. Ugh. He keeps writing. Be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. Attending church is the minimum of being devoted. <laughs> The minimum. You say, well, John, if I go to church, I just sit there and, 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 and listen, and I just, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not ready to engage with people. I totally understand. I totally understand. And in a group this size, of course, post-COVID, we're much, much smaller than we were pre-COVID. I get all that. Just so you know, uh, I have not talked to a pastor yet that is not struggling with the trauma and grief of losing half their church during COVID. For not for because people died, although some did, but because of this very reason of just, it's like, hey, whatever. I started watching online and that's what I'm doing now. Uh, I understand that. Me, personally, I don't, I, it doesn't bother me. Because the church we have is the church we have, and that's the church we're moving forward with. And the fact that it's smaller now than it was post-COVID, like every church in America... Uh, does not bother me because this gives opportunity for people who might have been on the fringes because it felt bigger and it felt like I could be lost to now be folded into the ecclesia, to be folded into the gathering, to be folded into the family, right? And so to be devoted to one another, and then we honor one another above ourselves. In other words, I don't feel like going to church, but it's important that I'm there for everybody else, Right? It's important that I'm there as a show of, yes, we're all in this together. Yes, I know it's hard to get up, get ready, and get dressed. I know what it's like to yell at my wife and my kids and tell them, I swear, if you're not on time to church, I'm going to kill somebody, right? I've been there. I haven't always been a pastor, ladies and gentlemen. I've had to put my kids in the car too and fuss with the strap and have words come out and go, well, that's another thing I've got to confess when it's altar time. I have done all that. But I also know over time and week after week after week after week of getting those kids ready, getting them up, getting them ready, getting dressed, going, oh, I wish I could just watch football. What that has done, those little tiny decisions week by week by week, what it has done with the framework of my mind to go, it is not all about me. It is not about me. I might say one word to somebody on campus that's just a passing thing and they remember that for the week and they go, you know what? 
That was so encouraging. You have no idea what your presence means to the body of Christ. And this is not, I don't get paid for butts, budgets, and buildings. I don't get paid based on that. How much we bring in or how many people are here or how nice our building is. I don't care. What I care about is the sheep and I care about the status of your soul. And I care about the fact that America just loves itself and loves consumerism and loves individualism. And it's foreign to the Bible. Love one another, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. We think of those things, well, I can do all that by myself. No, you cannot. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. You gotta know them to be able to share with them. And it's messy. And sometimes there are people at church, I'm just gonna be honest with you, that are difficult. Sometimes they run the church. <laughs> that's me. Anyway, that's a little joke. Okay. Right? I can be annoying. I understand that. I'm not perfect. The worship band's not perfect. But this is the beauty of the body of Christ. This is why in, in, Paul talks about, listen, 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 listen. If you're an eye and you think you're all that and you're not a hand, like you, you need a hand. How are you going to get the speck out of your eye if you don't have a hand, right? He just goes through this whole thing of like, it makes no sense to not need each other. Paul is basically saying, we're the body of Christ. You have to be there. Watch what he says in Romans. This gets even worse. Practice hospitality. Oh, shoot. That means I got to have people over and actually listen to them and get to know them and bring stuff. And yep. Bless those who persecute you. What? I thought we ran from people who persecuted us. I thought when we were persecuted by the church, we went to a bigger church where I could hide and be safe and listen to the word of God and feel good and then leave. That is not Christianity. You're saved into community. You're part of a body. You are needed. And to be present is just the minimum. That's just step one. That's for baby Christian. It's not a guilt thing. It's a design thing. We're designed to be a family. Rejoice with those who rejoice. That's always fun. But then it goes on, mourn for those who mourn. This is why Pastor Michelle, I'm so glad she's here. Because I wouldn't do raise your hand and get prayer requests. Because I, I just, I'm like, I don't know, who, anybody got time for that? Right? I'm just being honest. Right? But she's an actual pastor, like a real pastor. And one of the great things about post-COVID being smaller is that we, can, we have the ability to do that. You can't do that at, at, at Joel Olstein's church, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got me. All right. Mourn with those who mourn. It's exhausting to mourn with people. There's an actual thing called grief transference. Pastors go through it. Counselors go through it where you just sit and you hear mourning and mourning and mourning. It takes the body of Christ, not your pastor, not your therapist. It takes the body that that grief transference is transferred over many souls. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, even Republicans, even Democrats. 
One of the things I've been most proud about, about our church, probably number one, is what we do in the community and how we love those who are least loved and the most marginalized. I, I, I love that about our church. The other thing I love about our church is that we are split down the middle politically. We always have been for some reason. Maybe it's because I don't belong to a political party. I don't know what it is. But that for some reason, I will get these emails from one, somebody on the left that's like, like, hey, I just wanted you to know, <laughs> like, as though I'm going to be appalled that they're Democrats or that, and I'll get someone from the right, hey, I know you, I know you're a Democrat, like, you don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't care, right? I love that about us, that we can associate. This is the point of church, that you get people who shouldn't be together, together. You get people from different paint jobs, together. You get people, some have really high bank accounts and some have really low bank accounts and you get them together. Our whole denomination, free Methodism, is based on these principles. That the, that the poor are to be treated with dignity. That race should have no business having anything to do with your worship. There's freedom in the Holy Spirit. That lay people, that's you, and clergy, that's me, and Michelle, and Pastor Keith, and P Pastor Travis, that, 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 that we're equal. We're the same. That only happens in the body of Christ. It only happens in the church. And the church, by its definition, is a gathering. And so, as the worship team comes up, I want to talk to those of you who are online right now, just real quick. I know, everyone here is like, Phew. so glad I'm here this morning. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to take a picture. Let me get, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to take a picture. We don't shame here. All right, for those of you who are online, I understand, I understand that life is busy and I know many of you who email me and reach out to me from different states, different places, you've moved away, maybe you've been part of the Living Spring and you moved away, but you still consider this your church home. We are so glad you're here. We are glad you're here. But I'm telling you, I just want to be very upfront. Find a gathering. Find a gathering. You go, I've tried, I've looked around, there are wacky churches all around me. I, they're all wacky in one way or the other. Find a gathering. You were saved into community. It's time to enter back into community. You want to watch online, listen to podcasts, all that stuff. We're so glad you are. We want to help you with your walk with Jesus. But you got to go to church. You really do. Here's how Romans ends with this. It's a tough one. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You're not above church. You're not above the gathering. You're not smarter than everybody around you. I just haven't found a church that fits my needs. Stop. Stop. Don't be wise in your own estimation. You're not too important for the gathering. If you are, you're too important for Jesus because we're his body, we're it. We're the family, we're the church. And that is the importance of gathering, of coming here. Just the worship of getting up, getting dressed, fighting traffic, and getting somewhere is a deep, deep act of worship that the Lord honors. We are going to enter into a time of prayer now, and um, the 
uh, altars open. And so you can come and kneel at the altar and just kind of pray. Some people do that as just, again, there's something about physical, of being present, you know, of, of just, um, you know, the act of walking forward and kneeling is, is very freeing to me personally. And that's why you'll see me sometimes, I'll walk up and just kneel because I just want to just say, God, I, I, I just don't want anything getting in the way, you know? And so, so feel free to do that. And don't, no one cares. No one's thinking, like, oh, I bet they're dealing with a sin right now. Nobody cares, right? It's just an act of worship. And then for some of you, you might want someone to just pray for you. Maybe you're going through something tough. And you just go to this cross here, and Marquise and Patricia are there right now. We have different people. And you just say, could you just pray for me? I want to end with these two points because they're really, 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 really important. The Holy Spirit showed up when all they had was the gathering. There was no Bible. There was no worship band. And tongues of fire came down. It was incredible. What did they bring? The gathering. Jesus puts it this way. I'll end with this. Where two or three, or two or more are, we're going to say it one more time. Where two or more are, there I am. He's here. And you know why I know he's here? Because you're here. It's really, really important. Lord Jesus, Thank you that you've invited us to be saved. Our sin is gone. You've allowed us to enter into your kingdom, that we're going to spend eternity with you. But Lord, we also thank you that for some reason you've designed this spiritual life to include others. And it starts with the gathering. So Lord, I pray a blessing over this gathering and all the gatherings around the world gather in your name because you are there in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, thank you for the church. Thank you that when we had no Bible, we had the church. Thank you that when we had no internet, we had the church. We had no cars or transportation. We had the church. Lord, thank you that when we had no structures to support us, we had the church. We had no hospitals, we had the church. Lord, thank you for your body. Thank you that it's so inclusive. Anyone can be a part. Anyone can be present. Thank you for your gathering. And now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would.